Welcome to Asshole Court, the podcast where a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. The 11-point scoring works like this. On the low side, a score of 1 equals an asshole rating equivalent to Mr. Rogers. And on the high side, a score of 11 equals an asshole rating equivalent to Hitler. Pre-show asshole scores are given, and at the end of each show, after all information has been laid out, all three judges will give their final score. The subject's final score will be the average of these three numbers. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously. So, just don't. Georgia Peach, a baseball legend, one of the first American sports superstars slash celebrities. He's credited with setting 90 records in Major League Baseball during his career. He left the sport nearly a century ago, and yet he still holds several records as of the end of the 2018 season, including the highest career batting average and most career batting titles with 11 or 12, depending on source. We're talking, of course, about Ty Cobb. Cobb is undoubtedly one of the greatest baseball players to ever step onto a diamond, but we aren't here to discuss his athletic prowess or legacy in sports. Nope. Over the years, some stories have surfaced that have metaphorically bruised the old peach. And because of that, we're here to discuss, and ultimately judge with the score, whether Tyrus Raymond Cobb was an asshole. Welcome to Asshole Court. All right, so initial assessment. Uh, what do you guys know about Ty Cobb? What do you think about Ty Cobb? I don't really know too much about Ty Cobb. I followed sports a lot more back in the high school days. I mean, I know he's a Georgia peach. I know that uh, he grew up in the sticks of Georgia. He had some really early investments in Coca-Cola and General Motors. Ah. But other than that, that's about all I know about him. All right, so I was and still am a big baseball guy. When I was real young, that was all I would ever get each year for my birthday. I remember one ceremonial thing I would get was the greatest blank of all time. It was either first baseman, catcher, outfielder, players, whatever it would be. So I had several books when I was a kid reading about Ty Cobb. And it didn't talk about really any parts of him being an asshole. It just talked about his baseball skills. It didn't? Not uh, not much. Okay. These were like kids books, like right. for middle schoolers, and you know he was great at baseball and also stabbed a man. <laughs> <laughs> so being kind of a numbers guy, uh, over four thousand hits. I know he's got his big thing that just still blows my mind is stealing home. So I think he had, it's like fifty three straight steals of home, something like that. Jeez, that's something crazy. That's yeah, huge. and and when you go back and listen to the stories it wasn't always just um you know the pitcher kicks his leg he takes off from third and makes it a lot of the time he was that kid remember in little league that was just so fast he'd get out of the bases and just kind of hang out in the middle and make you go do something and he'd take off and they would screw something up and he would wind up just multiple times people not paying attention he would just run home from third in the middle of like a throwback from the first baseman on a pickoff attempt something like that sure he'd just take off so i mean it was just 
it was a lot of like stuff you'd see on Sports Center that a guy does once or twice in his right. career. Right, he did, did it on the regular. Fifty three <laughs> times, I think it was straight steals of home, and that was that's huge. But uh, I think his lifetime batting average is nuts. I, what would you, I think you said? What is it? It's over. High, high, it's over three sixty something. Three sixty. Yeah, like three sixty seven or yeah, something, something like, like that. that. So I, I mean, when you hit three hundred nowadays, if you can do that two three years in a row, you're going to sign. I mean, you're going to make right. two hundred million dollars. And he, he uh, there was a couple seasons where he batted over four hundred. Yeah. I mean, wow. Just insane. Yeah. He was like I think it was like four oh six. Who was the last one? Four twenty. I know he Ted had. Williams. What? Yeah. Ted Williams last one. John Olerud got close back in the nineties. I remember. All the root always wore the helmet. That's right. A real nerd helmet. So like Gary Carter's nerd helmet. As I've gotten older and kind of paid, you know, attention to baseball and, and obviously watch the movies and learn more about Ty Cobb. Um, you learn, yeah, some of the darker stuff, some of the racial stuff. I know his teammates hated him and there was an open kind of just hatred between him and everybody. He always isolated himself from his teammates. But I remember hearing one story or reading in that book that one time, he, you know, he would sit in front of the opponents and sharpen his spikes before the game just kind of let him know i'm coming for you taunting them yeah exactly and uh guy by the name of eno slaughter he was a great second baseman back in the day couldn't tell you what team it was but they said cobb came in it was a ground ball he was on first base ground ball to the shortstop the second baseman went over to cover and turned a double play and ty cobb pretty much took his heel and put it from the top of his thigh down oh. to his knee and just opened his leg up like a fish fillet sliced his nutsack he <laughs> <laughs> got my crotch <laughs> Uh, but yeah, opened the dude up like a fillet, and he was just a notorious spiker. He was dirty, got in a lot of fights. I remember, the, you know, stabbing the guy. I thought it was Washington, but I think it's Cleveland. He stabbed George Washington. <laughs> George Robert Cleveland and George no, Washington. George Washington Carver. So he, was stabbed. <laughs> he said, "I hate peanut butter." <laughs> so, I knew he, was, he grew up in Royston, Georgia. That's right, which uh, isn't too too far from us. But back then, I'm sure it was absolute sticks, and it still is absolute sticks. It still sticks. is the yeah. sticks even now. So, I mean, you can only imagine in like 1900. Oh, yeah. And it's like base of the mountain, mountain town type deal. It's weird. Now, I used to have to go there a lot for a job, and it, it's just, there's nothing there. It's, I think it's Banks, past, it's past Commerce. Banks County. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really Commerce, up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah Banks County. Way up there. We just drove through there last week. But uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, when I for the show you start looking for people that are notorious assholes and i was i growing up i also was a huge baseball fan and i just was like ty cobb is an asshole let's let's take a look at that guy with that in mind preliminary asshole score one to eleven i'm gonna go ahead off the rip i'm just gonna give him a three a three uh, a wow. three i think that uh, a lot of the stuff at least from what i've heard i believe it was debunked from a lot i believe there was like an original reporter that wrote a lot of stories about him mm-hmm. and i believe a lot of that stuff ended up getting debunked so i'm gonna go with just a three okay. off the rip all right so the number that immediately popped in my head was four wow that's shocking um and i and i when you said three i was i was kind of surprised but yeah it felt calibrated mm. a little bit because like you know you hear some of the stuff sensationalized but you don't know what can be proven but he wasn't i i will say this i've known and just heard not known anyone obviously but heard and read all kinds of stuff that just he was just a truly just kind of angry dude when he played not a happy guy not a happy guy in the slightest all right well let's get to it then what's your original score well see i've already done the research so i don't i can't taint it okay my 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 initial score will have to come at the end okay asshole court cannot be tainted 
All right, so uh, December 18th, 1886, Tyrus Raymond Cobb is born in Narrows, Georgia. He's the first of three children born to William Herschel Cobb and Amanda Chitwood Cobb. Cobb's father was a state senator. This is from an article I read here. It says, quote, many people assume or assert that Cobb grew up in a shotgun shack on the wrong side of the tracks. That is hardly the case. He was born in a nicely appointed 13-room house on the property of his maternal grandfather, a fairly well-to-do former Confederate Army captain named Caleb Chitwood. I do declare. I swear, Tyrus was born in my bathroom. That was the, the size of... He was born in a toilet. But I, I, they probably didn't have toilets back then. It was an outhouse. It, it was, was born in a wash bin or whatever the hell they were called. <laughs> he dropped out into the turds of an outhouse. All right. Uh, let's Fetch see the baby out the shit water. <laughs> yeah, okay. So that's actually, yeah, that uh, quote is from the book by Charles Learson called The Terrible Beauty. But anyways, very, uh, very shortly after his birth, the family moves to nearby Royston, Georgia, where Ty would be raised. By all accounts, Cobb became fascinated with baseball as a child. No shit, right? Uh, That's a shocker. No, I thought he was really into like Pokemon or something. <laughs> <laughs> he remembered long afterwards that he was often the only boy in town with a hittable baseball. He made his own ball and had a cover made by a leather worker. Uh, see, Royston was proud of his town team, the Royston Reds, named for their bright red flannels. And I think that's interesting, too. Like, Royston in 1900 probably had, like, 40 people. Right. And they had a they had a fucking baseball team. Baseball was to America as soccer is exactly. to the rest of the world. Exactly. exactly. Well, to England. To or like, England. To, to the UK. Like, oh, where yeah. every town, no matter how small, has their local yep. league. And Ty had the only baseball. That's so. it. So, of course, he's... He was captain of the team, probably. Well, yeah. He spoke of going pro, although his father was, from contemporary reports, adamantly against the idea. Either way, Cobb pressed forward and apparently had some early success. One day, when Cobb was a 90-pound 14-year-old, the Reds were short one player for an important home game against Commerce. Young Cobb, pressed into service, handled eight chances without air at shortstop and hit three singles. I mean, think about how weird that that is. Being like, 14 years old and yeah, weighing 90 should, like, pounds. Yeah, you go like into, imagine going to like a minor league game. And they're like, uh, we only got eight players. So they like pick out some scrawny teenager and then he just slays it. You, the opposing pitcher had to feel like shit on that one. Well, they're the, like, hey, they got a kid on their team. And they're yeah. like, should we, should we hit him? Well, like, you, can't hit him. <laughs> you can't hit him. I think honestly, though, like everybody back then was about mind. the size of a teenager nowadays, right? Like even a full grown man was like, I'm huge. I'm five foot seven and weigh 125 <laughs> pounds. I'm a heavyweight fighter. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, maybe it wasn't oh, that big a of a 90 gap. pound 14 year old. <laughs> he said, Watch me hit. My son's 14 and weighs like a buck 70. Yeah, his hands are gigantic. Yeah. Maybe. All right. Cobb officially started his baseball career with the Royston Rompers, the semi pro Royston Reds, and the Augusta Tourist of the South Atlantic League. Apparently, the Tourist released Cobb after only two days. Wow. Yeah. Cobb then tried out for the semi pro Aniston Steelers of the Tennessee Alabama Baseball League. Yeah. According to one biography, Cobb was told by his father, don't come home a failure. Oh, man, I remember oh, wow. that. Yeah, I've heard that story because his dad, almost it was like, um, to him, it was like running off and getting married at 18. And instead of him like, hey, I'm going to go earn some money as a baseball player, his dad just thought it was crazy. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, what, do you, what do you think happened? You think he made the team? <laughs> Spoiler alert, he made the fucking team. <laughs> his dad was very proud, maybe. 
Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. A lot of the fathers back then didn't want their kids going into sports or anything like that. I, yeah, I guess, especially if your dad is like a state senator and all this other shit. That guy had like five jobs, right? Can you imagine now? Be like, well, I'm a state senator and the head of the school board. And also, like, I make axes on the side. Uh, I also am a hobby farmer. All right. So, but here's, here's, here's something that's very interesting. At this point, Cobb does something which, number one, shows how shrewd a mind he had. Number two, gives us some insight into his thought process. And number three would fit perfectly into modern society's seeming obsession with self-promotion. What he does is he begins promoting his abilities as a baseball player by sending postcards to Atlanta Journal sports editor Grantland Rice. These postcards proclaim the young Cobb as an amazing up-and-coming talent, and they're all pinned under various pseudonyms. <laughs> right? So he sends them all out, but he's got, he's yeah, basically it's like it's fans not, sending yeah. it in, but he's sending it in. Oh. Yes, yeah, I like to imagine it sounds like, Dear Mr. Rice, good day, sir. I'm writing to relay a story about the most amazing and delightful baseball talent <laughs> I have ever seen out here in Royston, Georgia. A young man by the name of Tyrus Cobb appears to have been preordained by General Doubleday and the Lord himself to hold court on a baseball diamond. He can field. He can throw. He can hit. Oh, heavens, can this young baseballer hit. In one game I saw recently, he called out the exact spot on the field in which he would hit the ball. And upon doing so, the whole crowd stood and applauded. While the young Cobb took a ceremonious bow from his place at second base, some of the young women attendants also noticed upon his bow that young Cobb has quite the buttocks. <laughs> That's genius. <laughs> Yours ever so faithfully, Cyrus T. Shufflebottom, Royston, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Shufflebottom Mr. was a great name. Oh, yeah. he, he was a, uh, a scout in the Georgia-Alabama League. Or oh, the yeah. Tennessee-Alabama League. He knew. He knew what was I'll up. I'll write down to the paper and let him know how well Tyrus is doing. Mm -hmm. But like you said, pretty smart, right? It's really fucking amazing, to be Absolutely. honest. I mean, and honestly, it's it worked because after receiving a number of these postcards from fans... Rice, Grantland Rice, eventually pens a quick note in the Atlanta Journal stating that, quote, young fellow named Cobb seems to be showing an unusual lot of talent. Now, here's what's interesting, too. Obviously, Cobb, in retrospect, was one of the greatest baseball players of all time. But the season that Rice wrote that bit in the journal, Cobb apparently finished with a batting average of just 237. Hmm. So not horrible, but not really amazing either, especially considering it was just a semi-pro team. He's spending too much time writing letters. That could be the case. But it's, uh, yeah. It, I still it, like it, though. It's still a pretty slick move. Oh, it's genius. It's yeah. absolutely genius. They couldn't fact check it if he was saying that he was, you know, a, a scout from Tennessee or something that oh, happened yeah. to pop on down. I know he was with Detroit when he was 18. So think about that. How old was he? 14, 15 when he was doing that? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I don't. Probably around. Pretty that. young. It's yeah. pretty amazing, though. Like to think of this kind of shit. I mean, I don't know. You could call it a sort of dirty dealing, but hey, whatever. It worked because shortly thereafter, Cobb gets called up and goes to the majors with the Detroit Tigers. His pay is low, but hey, he's in the majors, right? So again, like I said, I, I suppose you could argue that he, he faked it till he made it, uh, but he created a buzz for himself. And luckily for him and the Tigers, it turned out that he did have, quote, an unusual lot of talent. There could be other aspects to his talent that I'm missing besides just the batting average. Maybe he was really awesome at something else, but I don't know, dude. Oh, man. All right. So, it, like I said, he was kind of havoc on the base paths. He really, so he played in what was called the dead ball era. And when the baseball itself was fairly dead, uh, they started to liven it up in the late teens going into the 20s. That's when you saw Babe Ruth starting to crack big numbers and guys hitting more than like six home runs a year to win the batting. 
Yeah, wasn't this one is year the he, era that they were using like just giant, like a, a bull testicle for a baseball, right? Pretty much. Pretty oh, wow. Much. That's uh, not true. Cobb won. The, <laughs> this is like, no way. Cobb won the triple crown, which is highest batting average, most home runs, and most runs batted in uh, with nine home runs one year. That is okay. Excellent. Yeah. So, and they were all inside the park. All right. Oh, nice. Yeah. All inside the park. So, uh, the dead ball era was, like I said, the ball itself was dead. Hard. Yeah. So, what he learned to do is just hit it real hard in the gaps. And like, and he was so consistent. He drove in 127 runs, I think, one year. Um, wound up having close to 2,000 RBIs at the end of his career. But um, back then, like I said, the ball didn't carry like it does today. I mean, it's insane the number of home runs there. You guys today. did research? A little bit. Solid. Thank you. I did none. <laughs> okay. I read like a page of his I explicitly was like, well, just don't do research. Like, got it. Here's research. <laughs> All right. I don't want to come totally unprepared. That's the whole point. All right, hold on. Let me rewind for a second here, because right before Cobb goes up to Detroit, his life is forever changed. Just weeks before Cobb heads off to play in the majors, his mom accidentally, and the quotation marks should be justified, I'm doing air quotations, blows his dad. Can we get a a little (laughs) bit more on that? with, uh, With a gun. Blows him away with a gun. And the story behind that is actually weirder than you think. Yep. Real quick, I think this is event is super important in calculating Cobb's personality going forward because it's just fucked up, no matter which way you slice this, right? So uh, I found this one article. It's uh, from Sports Illustrated in 1992, in which this journalist named Lee Montville went to Royston and interviewed a bunch of people who had actually interacted with Cobb you know, 30 years previous, right? Like all these people are probably dead now, but in 92, they were just really old. And he talked with this first guy was like a brigadier general, Eugene Phillips of Royston. And he was the retired military and the town's official historian at the time of the writing. And he said, quote, Ty Cobb's mother was 12 years old when she married his father. Not too many people know that his mother was 12. His father was 20. That wasn't so unusual in those days around here, but, Think about it now. Like 12 years old, she was 15 when she had Ty. Ty's mother was a Chitwood, Jesus. a famous name around here, Phillips said. His father, William Herschel Cobb, was a learned man. He was a uh, county school commissioner, editor of the local paper, member of the Georgia legislature. Uh, again, like an axe and grinder. An overall great pedophile. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess <laughs> wow. it was 12 years old. It's Dude, fucking crazy. 12 That's years insane. old. Yeah, man, I I'm telling you, when your kids get to be like 12 years old, if you the thought of them being married would make you want to shoot yourself. I mean, it's just. I, I mean, I've got a daughter who's seven, so she's over halfway there already. And yeah, she's living on a prayer. Uh, she's halfway there. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, like 12 is is. I'm sure that there was even younger than 12, like multiple times. Gross. And he's 20. Yeah, so. You know, anyways, the guy was very educated. The name Tyrus, in fact, comes from the ancient history from the Phoenician city of uh, Tyre. Amanda Chitwood Cobb was a strikingly beautiful woman. Herschel, with all of his positions, traveled a lot. He drove a horse and buggy, and when he would travel to the towns to deal with school matters, he would uh, stay overnight. I bet he did. He would uh, be gone perhaps five days out of the week. At some point, he... uh he became suspicious that his wife was having an affair. Oh, yeah. Dad is out of town. Mama going to get some. <laughs> yeah. I guess she like, had timed it and stuff, right? 
So uh, he announced he was taking. Oh, I hear a horse and carriage oh, coming up. You got to get out the back door. How is she pulling that up? I'm going to telegraph him and let him know when, <laughs> when he'll be gone for the few days that he'll be out of town. And we'll have a romantic getaway. Mm. I'll have to plan it out in advance. You will read me poetry and then slam my bottom. <laughs> <laughs> my buttocks shall be flabbergasted by your crotch. So he announced he was taking another trip. We'll be gone for a couple of days. And off he went. Only this time, he doubled back. He was suspicious as fuck. Around midnight, he came back to the house, a yellow frame house, bedroom on the second door. He climbed onto the porch roof outside of the bedroom window. And what happened next is what people have talked about ever since. William Herschel Cobb was shot twice, once in the stomach and once in the head. And Amanda Chitwood Cobb double tapped him. She did. <laughs> <laughs> Her explanation was that she had heard a noise, saw someone trying to get into the house, which was the I case. I see an intruder. Oh, wait, that's my husband. Pow, pow. <laughs> Dude, that's, yeah, I mean. But he came in on the second floor? Yeah, yeah he was trying to catch him, like, in mid-stroke. <laughs> this, I mean, he's like being a ninja trying to climb up yeah. there. and uh, well, Apparently not enough of a ninja because she fucking heard it and shot his ass. Oh, man. All right, so I'm just envisioning what making a porno would look like back then with the mm. big gigantic cameras that they would you know use yeah to charge up how long they'd have to hold the pose well i mean in the back then the cameras i guess this is like 1900 remember it, like everything looks like it's moving in fast motion so dude's just <laughs> sure. jackhammering some chick like yeah oh slow it down from three times speed oh oh i actually here's something funny i have is actually he, is he haunted i don't know because he was obviously are haunted. he's obviously a ghost now, but I've actually now here I have seen pornos from this time. They had fucking pornos back then. Really? I saw the first porno ever from 1893 out of just sheer curiosity. Fucking right, 1893. Yeah. All right, so all right, geez, tell me about this. It's really, I mean, it's it, it's like I said, there's a ghost going. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's no sound, there's no audio, there's on no it. sound. Yeah, you know, the guys have like excellent handlebar mud. It's exactly what you think, right? Oh man, it's like, uh, yeah, the guy you think from the barbell lifting days, or yeah. the guy from Mike Tyson's Punch Out. What was his name? Oh man, that was oh shit. It wasn't Von Schweet. Yeah, it was Von or, something. Or, yeah, he was the second guy that you would go up against. Right, exactly. Not Glass Joe, but the guy right after him. Yeah, the German guy. His name was like Von Von Kaiser. Von, Von Kaiser. Kaiser. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Imagine Von Kaiser. Just going to town on what was uh, Mrs. Garrett from fucking The Facts of Life. Oh, my gosh. The facts of Life. The Facts of Life. You That's take the good, you take, take the bad, you take the good, and then you have The, the Facts of Life. Book. So, yeah, it's uh, you should check it out. Sometime you can go look it up online. And there, I saw a money shot from like 1897. Fucking mind-blowing, dude. Nice. Yeah. That could have been like uh, FDR. and. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, all right. So, uh, yeah, he's shot twice. Uh, I wonder if FDR ever had Eleanor climb on board in the polio car. Oh, man, I'll be honest. Hey, she was on board. She was, she was You're going to have to do most of the work. <laughs> I can drive with my hands, though. Bitch. She, uh, she was apparently a lesbian, too, so he probably got to mix it up a little bit. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. He had He's like just mid-stroke with that cigarette holder, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> These, Again, also those warm springs are warm from something else too. Huh? Oh, oh God! Yeah. <laughs> really? That's what brings yeah. the first. Oh, <laughs> so she says, "Okay, look, uh, Amanda Shitwood Cobb says that she thought it was a, an intruder, 
The explanation was eventually believed by a jury in the nearby town of Livonia, where Amanda was acquitted. It has never been truly believed in Royston. <laughs> General Phillips explains, my father was Ty Cobb's age. He always said there was something, somebody else in the room. He said he even knew who it was, though he never told me this name. So the town is like, yeah. She's sleeping with Miss Cobb oh is getting the full on Cobb from some dude <laughs> that isn't Mr. Cobb. Uh, in fact, so there was another journalist that went, uh, and this is in the 1950s. I wonder even. why Ty didn't wake up. Like he was, you Ty know, wasn't there, I don't think. I think he was off playing baseball. I mean, do you no, think his mom's going to uh, go to Pound Town with him there? It, you're right. It was while he what was off. What if it was Ty Cobb? Because she, she died right before he started playing for the Tigers. So he was playing semi-pro ball off everywhere else while this happened. You're right. Yeah, he wasn't home. Yeah, because, I mean, back then it was all just like in that scene from Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There's nothing muting it. There's no yeah. uh, no electricity, maybe, or minimal at best back yeah, then. Yeah, those walls are thin. No AC. So, yeah, there's a... Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. God, man, and in Georgia, it out yeah, in like yeah. a, in a fucking uh, like upstairs bedroom in a Georgia, apparently a very nice house. Imagine Open the door. We need a draft in here. Yeah. Oh my god! And, and, and they were very like self. I don't. Well, I'm maybe I'm making this up, but I, I I can't imagine that they were just stripping butt naked. They're the type that was like, please turn the light out and then get underneath the blankets while we fuck. Well, blow out the candle. Well, that and they didn't like have baby wipes to do a quick uh, cleanup. <laughs> you know what I mean? They hadn't showered in days. <laughs> And their crotches were sweaty <laughs> as fuck. They're wearing wool pants. Yeah, they're wearing those wool underwear where they have to like Jeez. undo the buttons on the back or whatever, and he has oh, to like man. slide his dick. I would underneath like <laughs> like I would tent post. I would sweat the crotch out of a pair of wool underwear in a matter of days. I believe in the Can, summer. The chapped ass had to be very real. And that's oh, some, very like, real. Yeah. Ah, oh, so I, I imagine going they didn't, did, going what? down on a southern oh, woman that oh, had showered. Yeah, I don't think that happened. I don't think that happened a lot. That was that was for the real freaks. Like nowadays. Ass eating is like standard, but back then, even just going down on someone was just like, nah, dude. She was cheating. Missionary. She was a freak. She, well, she might, yeah. She's a freak, man. But she probably was, a freak with standards. We don't know that she was cheating. Allegedly, <laughs> a freak with standards. Yeah, you know, they, they have like a, instead of like you said the baby wipes, they just have like a set of like wool cloths wool that cloth. they pull out. Yeah, probably just the same. Like a go run like down to the river drag. real quick and get yeah. it wet. It's like they're the fucking clan robes. <laughs> they're just like taking the hood. <laughs> hey, just wipe your taint with that. I hate my husband. He's an asshole. I'm just gonna wipe your taint. I'm gonna wipe with your it. asshole with <laughs> that. All right. So yeah, Furman Bisher is a columnist, or he was a oh, columnist. Oh, AJC. Read lots of his stuff growing up. There you go. He went down to Royston in 1953 to do a story about Ty. He was living in California and coming back to Atlanta. Ty at the point was uh, living in California. Came back to Atlanta to be honored at an Atlanta Crackers game. He said, "I went down to do a normal story about the place where he grew up, and I wind up hearing the story about his mother and his father." I wrote it and we ran it, but it, it wasn't any big exclusive. Cobb's father shot by his mother almost 50 years ago. Wasn't going to be a big headline, but it was the damnedest story I ever had. I remember a friend of his, Joe T. Cunningham, said that he lived next door and heard the shots and that it wasn't Mrs. Cobb who pulled the trigger. He said when Ty came home, he stood on the porch and said, this ain't the kind of people Cobbs are. The shooting occurred when Ty was 18. Less than three weeks later, he was on his way to the big time in Detroit. So imagine that you're 18 years old. You're about to go to the majors, and it's got to be the best moment in your life. And then, A, your dad is shot dead. B, by your mom. C, it turns out it might have been a murder. And D, to cover up the fact that your mom was accepting old-timey handlebar mustache rides from someone that wasn't William Herschel. Von Kaiser. It was Von Kaiser, Absolutely. And wow, that's a lot to process at 18. I yeah. mean, think of how crazy 
we would have gone with that information back at 18. Exactly. And this is 1909 or 1905. I'm sorry. 1905 in Royston, Georgia. Yeah. Think of the fallout in the small town. Like everybody heard about that. And especially for three towns over. Just mortally embarrassing. And I mean, even if she didn't kill him, right? Like a a fact which you, a young Ty Cobb, you can never be certain of. Your mom still just shot your dad dead. I mean, now tell me how that doesn't turn you into a hateful, untrusting son of a bitch. Yeah, it'd be hard to ever trust a, a woman again. He apparently never got over it. He told Al Stump, his biographer, a writer that we'll address in a bit. He said, my father had his head blown off with a shotgun when I was 18 years old by a member of my own family. I didn't get over that. I've never gotten over that. Yeah, something tells me he wasn't uh, going to a therapist and sitting on the couch talking that out. Therapists are for pussies. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody gets therapy except the crazy folks. <laughs> So, all right. So now that we have a little context of Ty Cobb's life, let's talk about the reasons that he may be an asshole. First of all, there was a 1907 assault incident. Story has it that during spring training of 1907, a black groundskeeper named Bungie Cummings. <laughs> Bungie? It's Bungie? 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 I don't know. Bungie probably. No, Bungie! Bungie! I'm going to call him Bungie. Bungie jump. Who <laughs> Cobb had allegedly known for years attempted to either shake his hand or pat him on the shoulder. Apparently, Cobb felt that Cummings' greetings was, quote, overly familiar, which infuriated him to the point that Cobb assaulted the man. At some point during the assault, the story goes, Cummings' wife, Bungie Cummings' wife, stepped in to protect her husband, so Cobb started choking her ass. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, Cobb is beating... Get out the way. (laughs) Cobb is beating Bungie Cummings and simultaneously throttling his wife when he's finally stopped by fellow Tigers player Charles Boss Schmidt, who allegedly... Knocked Cobb out cold. Hey, got to be a boss if you're going to be uh, carrying that name. I mean, yeah. uh, that is probably one of the cooler names. You Charles Boschman. You, you have to earn that name. That's true. And if you're knocking out Ty Cobb. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not at the time, but later on, that definitely fit. So now here's, but here's the thing. Like, as horrible as that all sounds, it might not have actually happened that way at all, right? According to, again, Charles Learson's book, Ty Cobb, A, a Terrible Beauty, Cobb had real trouble with his fellow Tiger teammates in his first years. This included, of course, Charles Boss Schmidt, who apparently loved to sucker punch Ty Cobb on the regular. And it's well documented that Cobb had issues with his teammates. The hazing of Cobb was so bad that it would alienate him from his teammates. And years later, Cobb would blame his notorious temper and abrasive attitude on it, saying, these old timers turned me into a snarling wildcat. I was about to say, uh, with him being 18 or so at the time, I mean, how did that age compare to the other players on the team and in the league as well? I mean, I assume at that age, they're probably all roughly the same. Maybe they're in their early 20s. Early, I would say early 20s, but then you'd have the hangers on that are like 40. Yeah. 45. You yeah. Know what I mean? More yeah. so than you see in today's. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So according to this book called The Glory of Their Times, uh, they have some quotes from his teammates, including one from Sam Crawford. And he said, every rookie got a little hazing, but most of them just laughed it off. Cobb took it the wrong way. He figured everybody was ganging up on him. He came up from the South, you know, still fighting the Civil War. And then another teammate, Davy Jones, said, Trouble was, he had such a rotten disposition that it was damn hard to be his friend. I was probably the best friend he had on the ball club. I used to stick up for him, sit and talk with him on the train trips, try to understand him. But he didn't have a sense of humor. Especially, he could never laugh at himself. Consequently, he took a lot of things the wrong way. What would be an innocent wisecrack would become cause for a fistfight. It was too bad. He was one of the greatest players who ever lived, and yet he had so few friends. I always felt sorry for him. 
It's hard to feel sorry for the best player on the team a lot of the time. I guess if you're getting sucker punched and knocked the fuck out in the showers. <laughs> Can you imagine Ty Cobb just butt naked? Like just knocked out. He's like seizing up, like shit himself a little bit. Oh, Boston got him again. Uh, <laughs> Woo! What an asshole! <laughs> you fucking redneck. Wait, no, that'd be like a redneck. You fucking redneck. <laughs> I mean, that's back in the day when everybody was like, from New York, what an asshole. Oh, yeah, non carpet back. Can't see it here. Yeah. So, Belisha claims he was never able to find any uh, news or corroborating uh, witnesses to the assault of Bungie Cummings or whatever. And, and Bungie Cummings and his wife never commented on it either. There were, however, reports of an interaction between Cobb and Bungie Cummings by reporters that day. They claimed that an apparently inebriated Cummings approached Cobb and shouted, Hello, Carrie! <laughs> <laughs> then went in for like a like a bro hug or something. At this point, Cobb allegedly pushed Cummings away. This was the last interaction that anyone saw between Cobb and Cummings, according to Learson. A little after that, reporters on the field heard a fight taking place and ran over to see Cobb and Charles Boschmidt wrestling on the ground. After the fight was broken up, Cobb walked away but Schmidt stuck around and talked to the reporters. And he, that's what he told everybody. He's like, I just beat that guy's ass because he was choking that lady out. And then, uh, yeah, he was choking out his wife. Riley was beating the other guy up with his left hand. He was choking it with his right. You know, he's bats left, throws right. So I had to knock him out. It. Yeah. He's an asshole. <laughs> Fucking redneck. <laughs> All right, so he presumes that the reporter actually walked up to was the fallout of another attempt by Schmidt to attack Cobb. But, you know, we'll never know exactly what happened. Who knows? Then you have the 1908 assault incident, which this one is very well documented. There's no way around this one. 1908, Cobb apparently attacked a black laborer in Detroit who complained that Cobb stepped into freshly poured asphalt. Cobb was found guilty of battery, but the sentence was suspended. This apparently is backed up by records, and Cobb paid $75 to the laborer to avoid a civil suit. So he just stepped in some freshly poured asphalt, and yeah, like basically a, the guy said a word or two to him, and he yeah. got his his face punched in, basically. So, I mean, we're seeing a pattern here, right? Definitely a pattern building. Um, mm-hmm. Very low tolerance for... Um, <laughs> Even though Bootsy or whatever, Bugsy. Bootsy Collins? Yeah, Bootsy Collins, the guy he beat up at the baseball field. Bungie. Bungie, that's right. Like I said, a little pattern. Like He might have shoved him. Like I said, it sounds like he didn't like black people. It, it sounds that way. I mean, he's obviously quick to violence. So we've, we've yeah. at least got that. Yeah. Well, so was his mom. <laughs> she was quick, <laughs> quick to dick. Your mom's quick to violence. That's what the... <laughs> I'll fucking kill your carpet bagging ass. <laughs> yeah, your mom's quick to violence mom. there, Ty Cobb. So, and there was another violent incident in 1909. Charles C. Alexander wrote about it in his biography of Cobb. He says, uh, quote, That uh, afternoon, the left field bleacherites and people along the third base foul line rode Cobb from the time he stepped on the field. At one point, Ty Cobb started to climb into the stands after a black spectator who had heckled him throughout the game. Police got there just before he reached the man and managed to herd him back to the Tigers' dugout behind third. Wrote the Detroit, this is from an article that day, Detroit Free Press's E.A. Bachelor wrote, Ty is a Southerner born and bred and naturally holds ideas of his own regarding the right of a colored man to abuse him in public. 
I'm sure that was the the case with a lot of people who grew up in rural areas of North Georgia back yeah. just, I mean, within 20, 30 years of the Civil War. Oh, yeah, certainly. And well, I saw a Facebook post the other day that showed these kids in Chicago that had stolen these like side by side utility vehicles. I mean, they're like 15, 20 grand a piece. And it was like one forty five in the morning. And they said the kids look in the video. I mean, they're probably 10 or 11 years old. And it's a mixture of black kids and white kids. But of course, you know, on the Facebook comments, it immediately just goes to race somebody. Oh yeah, so it's still there. Of oh, you know, and that it was, uh, it was a black guy that posted. <laughs> where did those uh, little uh, guys? I'm gonna say guys in, All right. in reference and use of, instead of the other word that we don't, we aren't gonna use. No. Where did those little guys steal those vehicles? Right. And, of course, this white girl chimes in, why is it that black people can only use that word and this, that, and the other? Oh, and God. And yeah, I so, love that conversation. Oh, man, and then there it goes, right? So, so man, yeah, now imagine 110 years ago. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Different like, ball game. Oh, that, so you were like, yeah, they, they grew up in rural Georgia. They may not have liked black people. Hell, man, they just got done with slavery. Shit. Yeah. Literally 100 years ago. Well, and this is also the peak of what is called like the lost cause theory, where all these Confederate former veterans believe that they could have won the war, got screwed. And if you ever go to like any of these downtown squares, like Jackson, Georgia or whatever, and you see that Confederate monument, look at the year on it. That didn't come out in 1866. It was always right around the first decade of the 1900s. Oh yeah. That was a huge deal. Like go to the one in like Covington and read it. And it's mind blowing. It's just, they're like, this was a travesty. Like we, this should never have happened. Well, or think about it. He was born in what eighteen? What did you say? Eighteen eighty-six, somewhere around there. Yeah, eighteen eighty-six. Civil War ended in eighteen sixty-five. That's right. So it only ended twenty years before he was born. Pretty right. Much. Well, then you get the resurgence of the Klan in nineteen. 19- so look, everybody back then is pretty south racist. of the Mason Mason Dixon line. Yeah, is exactly. Uh, it's more like a seventy-five twenty-five percent chance. Yeah. Oh, and so the thing also is this isn't the only stadium incident, right? In 1912, there's another one, and this one is more famous, okay? So this one is pretty well documented, but it's also become like this legend of what happened, right? So the story, the way it's often told is after being heckled continuously throughout a game, Cobb got fed up and allegedly jumped into the stands and severely beat a black armless man. Not like Oh, an, wow. He yeah. went after the armless guy? Yeah, and then, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, what can he do? Headbutt him or kick him back? Right. And the, yeah, apparently, for the story, apparently beat him like one of those fucking practice dummies in karate class. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> just the muscle torso <laughs> just getting rocked. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing. It's only partially true. The true what, story. What, did he have one arm? Well, this is the thing. The, the true story apparently was that a fan by the name of Claude Luker, who was not black, was indeed heckling Cobb viciously throughout the game. And Cobb ultimately did get tired of it, climbed up 12 rows of seats, and did beat Luker senseless. But Luker wasn't armless, just handless, to be oh, more geez. exact. He was missing one hand, as well as three fingers on the hand that remained. It was a result of a printing press accident, apparently. And people in the stands, when when this is going on, they're like, stop, he's got no hands! And Cobb yells back at the fans, I don't care if he has no feet. <laughs> Which... I don't, I mean, was a guy that, karate kicking him or something? I don't really understand that. Yeah, but, not um, the best comeback. But well, but think about if that happened today. Well, that's right. what I'm getting into. All right, so 
Let's just say Mike Trout is having words. With some, oh my god! With some Can you guy. imagine Mike Trout going ham on a on a fucking handless guy? <laughs> on a handly, oh my gosh! Guy. It would take one hitter quitter for oh, real, man. But that's what I'm getting. At. Like that's the thing. I don't have a fucking problem with a player checking somebody that's in the stands that's talking shit. I, I like I really don't. You know what I'm saying? Like it's bullshit to sit there and like buy a ticket and you feel safe in the stands. And you feel like, oh, yeah, I'll yell at this guy. Fuck you, guy, on his job. I mean, like I said, if you imagine someone coming to your office while you're trying to work and just screaming at you, I'm pretty sure you might lose your shit. When I worked in collections, I actually had people threaten to come to my job and uh, <laughs> assault me at work. That Well, that's because you're trying to take their money. I'm just saying randos that just show up and sit next to your desk. And you're like, you can't make pivot tables for shit, you fucking loser. <laughs> I can make. I took that Excel class just like you did. Yeah. <laughs> they like chuck a fucking Diet Coke at you. Like, honestly, like, do you remember the Ron Artest brawl in oh, 04? Yeah. The- I fucking, look, I met a world peace, Ron Artest. Like, I remember people, like, were they thought he was the devil for this. I was like, don't throw a fucking drink at the guy. Yeah, Babe, right? Babe Ruth wouldn't beat a dude up in the stands. I feel like it should happen more often. In it's- fact, just the game the other night, Golden State, where fucking the Mark owner. Stevens yeah. pushes Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Oh, wow. Who the yeah. Fuck do you think you are? Yeah. No, I mean, he was one of the he's one of the owners. Yeah. So, no. Right. Is, uh, did he get he got they ruled on that? Yeah. They half half a million bucks and uh, one year ban from any attendance of games. Yeah. And I think that, I think they needed to make it a little bit more than that. Yeah. Sudden example. I mean, honestly, what would possess a person, just some average Joe, to like physically push and talk shit to a dude who's paid to be in peak physical shape? About ten beers. <laughs> <laughs> So, I, can, I mean, honestly, I can sympathize with Cobb and crawling up in the stands and fucking this guy up. But the problem is that L- Luker was missing his hands. And uh, the heckling that unhinged Cobb to the point of climbing those 12 rows and beating a handicapped man in front of everybody was that apparently Luker insinuated that Cobb's mother was black. <laughs> That's All right. So I, I laugh because it's like, obviously not true. The guy's a white guy. and uh, Your mother's black. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's it. You're going down. He's he's taking uh, like taunts the entire time. Like your hitting sucks. He's like, I can live with that. The guy's like, your mother's black. I'm gonna kill you. (laughs) That's when it snaps. Yeah, Cobb told his biographer Al Stump that the taunts were quote reflecting on my mother's color and morals. Hmm. The moral thing. I don't know why that would necessarily be tied in, unless he was like, your mother's black. She fucks everybody, and then then she might shoot him. (laughs) <laughs> just to bring that one up so yeah Cobb was obviously like very he was racist all right you know but it, a lot of the baseball yeah. players were back in that day especially in the south he wasn't the oddball in any sense you know i, I don't have any statistical data but i'd be willing to bet that like i don't know 80 percent of white people in 1912 were like racist as fuck and i mean like in a literal sense well like, i mean think thought, about like, how t- Think about how hard it was for Jackie Robinson to break into Major League Baseball that was, what, back 1947, then. 1947, I think you got it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's uh, almost, you know, 30 years later. Yeah, and I mean, that's like they, and it, I mean, racism in like the literal sense, like they thought like white people were like superior. Back then, they had a, like white people had a really hard time even calling like Italians and Irish people white. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, yeah. They were like, no, sir. The only white people are of Nordic stock or Western European, except for the Irish. <laughs> those guys don't fucking count those potato eating son of a bitches don't count yeah and to, i mean to put like a finer point on this 
Following the incident, the American League suspended Ty Cobb for 10 days, which promptly caused his teammates to strike and protest. I believe this was the first strike in Major League Baseball. So his teammates, you know, the guys who beat the fuck out of him on the rig, <laughs> were like, they thought beating up Claude Luker over the implication that Cobb's mother was black was like totally justified. They should have pulled the scene like from Rudy where the commissioner <laughs> was sitting in his office and they all walk in with their jerseys. I'm not playing unless Ty plays. I'm not playing unless Ty plays. I also hate black people. <laughs> I ain't playing unless Ty plays. He's <laughs> <laughs> from Slang Blades. Oh, must I'm not racist. But I still think he did the right thing. Yeah, I'm not racist. I just believe white people are superior. I ain't playing either, Commissioner. <laughs> and so, then they all throw their jerseys on the table. And they're just, fucking jock straps, underwear, <laughs> wool jock straps. Their wool jock straps. Yeah. And a Doyle walks in and wraps around his head. Just says, oh, Doyle rules. <laughs> Doyle rules. They fling their wool pants. There's just like poop and blood because they got <laughs> chapped ass so bad. We need new pants. And I hate black people. I'm tired of all these double headers. My asshole needs a break. <laughs> Can we get any decent toilet paper? When was toilet paper even invented? Or when did we go double When was ply? two ply yeah, invented? That's a good question. They used to use Single corn ply. cobs. Ooh, the corn cobs. husks. I think so. Ooh. That's I looked that up. When did toilet paper? When did that come around? I want to say the patent was back in like the 1870s. Right, or something but like when that. was it? Like in 1857. Oh man, so Civil War guys are. Nah, I wonder the, if the guys in on the north were taunting the guys on the south. Like yeah, we've we, got toilet paper and you don't. We've got Charmin. <laughs> Fucking losers use those corn cobs. Even though Queen Elizabeth, its godson, invented one of the first flush toilets in 1596. Queen Elizabeth? Yeah. Back in 1596? Yeah, her godson, Queen Elizabeth I. Her godson invented you said one of the. 1596? 1596 invented one of the first flush toilets. That's like Elon Musk in the Middle Ages. They're like, look at the technology. My turds disappear with water. But where's it going to go? <laughs> it's right to the poor people. <laughs> right to the poor side of town. <laughs> to those plebes. He said, enjoy this turd. I'll have my cake and they can see the remains. <laughs> Daddy, when can we move upstream? Oh, my God. I'm tired of drinking the paint water. Oh, <laughs> uh, He said, I'm sick all the time. I don't understand why. Go take a bath in the river. That'll take make you feel better. Holy shit. All right, hang on. Toilet paper was invented in China. Well, of course, they did everything first. The earliest historical accounts of using wads of tissue paper to clean up are found in the 6th century. So the 500s. Good for them. I have to remember how to do that. It's always minus one. The 6th century is yeah, the 500s. That's they true. So prior to that, what were they doing? Just going into the river and taking a... No, no. They, no, they go Indian style and go uh, manual with the left hand, usually. I think some people use it left hand. Some people... I uh, mean, leaves were just there, right? I mean, yeah, but your hand is a more detailed. It's like... It, well, mm -hmm. I can see it more like a car wash where you get the $6 express wash with the leaf where you just kind of do something easy. Yeah, but the but hand... When, yeah, the hand detail obviously require... A, hand a single digit to really work that donut hole, you know, just. <laughs> well, you can get, you know, a good palm wop, you know. You palm know. wop? <laughs> <laughs> the palm wop takes care of, like, the main course coming off your butthole. Oh, man. And then uh, your fingers can come in and do the detail work that you need. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know, you're going to use the hand to eat. Well, that's the one. You wash it off, and then you sit on it, and you eat with your right hand. You sat on your hand while you ate? 
Well, you would use your right hand for everything. Like, hey, right, right. But you sat on your left hand, so you're giving yourself the stranger. Where you like sleep, you sit on your hand until it goes to sleep. So all men in India eat a meal and then go jerk off and do the stranger. (laughs) So that's the tradition. (laughs) At the same time, giving them like the self-blumpkin. So my parents lived in India. My sister went to visit, and they went to the McDonald's, of course, in um, Bangalore. And it was a three-story McDonald's. It was packed. Every table had people at it. And people were just grabbing seats. As soon as people got up, you would sit with a, a table of people you didn't know, but it was an oh, open seat. shared seating in yes. the house. Ninety nine percent of people. She noticed one or two people eating something with their left hand, but every single person ate with one hand. But the right I, did hand. They, they go s- into the bathrooms? Was there toilet paper in those bathrooms? Absolutely. Yeah, there was. There was. It's just their culture and their tradition. They so don't eat with their left hand. They it's don't. just a century of implying, like, building that shit into you. I write with my left hand. I'd be considered, like, an outcast, a rebel. Well, yeah. Left-handed yeah. people were considered, like, demons. All right. 1912. Murder allegation. Another incident Al Stump wrote about in one of his works on Ty Cobb occurred in 1912. According to Stump, Ty Cobb told him exactly this, quote, in 1912, and you can write this down, I killed a man in Detroit. The story went, Cobb is riding in his car with his wife, Charlie, to the railway station in Detroit to catch a train for a Tigers exhibition game in Syracuse, New York, where he saw a young man with dyed blonde hair and a wife, Peter. Rapping to the sounds of his own beats in the subway. Oh, man. An Eminem reference. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you only get that shot one time. <laughs> to, to rob Ty Cobb and his wife. <laughs> one <laughs> chance, <laughs> one <laughs> opportunity. Yeah, so, he lost himself in the moment Ty Cobb killed him. <laughs> Lou just <laughs> That wasn't mom spaghetti on his shirt. <laughs> spaghetti, spaghetti. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, yeah, apparently three men waved him down, thinking that he... That hey, might, Ty Cobb! Hey, come help me. I think they might have some trouble. He stopped to help. Immediately, the men attacked Cobb, who slid out of the car and began to fight back. Quote, one of the mugs I knocked down got up and slashed at me with a knife, the book says. I dodged, but he cut me in the back. I couldn't tell how bad it was, but my arms were still working. Cobb says that the men retreated as soon as uh, he chased one of them down, leaving him in worse condition than he'd arrived in. Another one returned and cornered Cobb in a blind passageway. I had something in my hand, which I won't describe, but which often comes in handy in Detroit in the days when it was a fairly rough town. I used it on him at some length. If he still lives, he has scars to show for it. Leaving him unconscious, I drove to the depot. So Stump says that he further described the murder. He says that he was using the gun sight as a blade and slashed away until the man's face was faceless. Jeez. Yeah. With, I don't the, with the sight of a gun? Yeah, it's hard. Like, like he's scratching off a lottery ticket. He said, three cherries. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Triple sevens, bro. Free he, ticket. You oh. seeing this shit, babe? You seeing this? <laughs> I told you that fucking $40 I spent was going to come back. I got $27. Looks like fucking hamburger meat. Uh, he exited. He said he left him there, not breathing in his own rotten blood. So <laughs> here's the thing, man. I don't understand why this would make him an asshole in the first place. Like why this is even a big deal. No, like, this he, just follows into self-defense if we're just following the story strictly. Yeah. I mean, if it's 100% verified, I don't think there's anything wrong with defending yourself, even if it means like killing a guy and using his face as a scratch off ticket. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, at this point, you know, in this day and age, you you know, you, 
you start to wonder about, you know, how far do you take it? Right. But uh, back then, it was a little bit looser with those laws. And uh, yeah, that was, I mean, self-defense from what I'm seeing. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like he killed some fucking rando on the streets for sport. You know, he's like, <laughs> check this shit out. Maybe he was taking out a little bit of the aggression from, you know, people yelling at him in the stands there you know, you go. to the uh, to the streets. Like we have just a bad day. And, you're just and it all comes out. Yeah, Cause exactly. you had a bad day. <laughs> Stab the fucking dude in the guy in the face with your gun sight. <laughs> with your gun sight. <laughs> so, but the thing is that uh, it, it might not be true either. We know that around the time of the alleged murder, there were press reports about an attack on Ty Cobb in Detroit. For instance, an Associated Press dispatch mentioned an attempted robbery of Cobb by three assailants who were, quote, under the influence of liquor. And we do know that Cobb did get injured in the assault because a piece in the Syracuse Herald noted that uh, the day after the attack, Cobb got two hits in an exhibition game against Syracuse Stars, but was playing rather casually to avoid irritating a severe knife wound in his back. Oh, geez. Yeah. But one guy went and dug around and he couldn't find any reports of, of a body that would match that sort of attack around that time. I wonder how big the fish were that Ty Cobb caught. He, I, was he? He was. Was he was in? He was, oh, yeah, in, he was fishing. in fishing, golf, all that stuff. Like he was huge in the golf. Yeah. yeah, but uh I'm just saying, like, it, it sounds like everything we say is like, well, this guy said this, but somebody else said this. That's everything's like purported because yeah, and that's like, honestly what it all comes down to. Apparently, is this guy that wrote his biography said a lot of these stories originated from that guy. And apparently, Stump. Yeah, Stump, how credible of well, a reporter or author is he? What I heard or read about was that right before Ty Cobb died, he was trying to sue Al Stump for the biography. So oh, you, really? don't, you just don't know, you know, you're dealing with 110 years ago, so it, it, it changes things for sure. But, you know, like I said, I don't have a problem with him, even if he did murder that guy in an alleyway. Then uh, Cobb had a strained relationship with his children. First, I don't imagine he was the greatest dad. No, I mean, uh, constant uh, assaults on people, white or black. One of the, you know, yeah, doesn't matter. Was he known for drinking or? I well, they said later on his life that again, Al Stump talked about he was a total drunk, like he was just nonstop drinking whiskey. So again, maybe so. I don't know. That's a dangerous combination when you get a whiskey drunk all the time and you have violent tendencies. Yeah. You know, like Babe Ruth was known to drink a lot. Mickey Mantle drank himself Certainly, to death. Yeah. Joe DiMaggio was a big drinker. But you don't hear much about... It might have even just been before... That was the other thing about the media back. There was real... Not a lot of coverage on this stuff. You no, know, the personal was, lives. There, there was no personal nah, interest stories. Nah. It wasn't sen- sensationalized like it is today. Oh, right. yeah. And the, even further back when, you know, the age of Mickey Mantle, there was no... I mean, he... Not to bash the Mick, but uh, he was a known. He was a womanizer. He drank himself to death. I, know, I read one story where he got so drunk in a club in New York that he went outside, like fell into a gutter, and some woman went to help him out, and he like honked her titties, honk, honk. It's the Mick, babe. See? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I don't know if that's true either, but it's very possible. It's kind of a funny story. I'm the Mick. <laughs> Live or die, man. <laughs> He's just die. Wrong. Yeah. The other, I like uh, what's what cracks me up though is also imagining Ty Cobb fucking like to make kids. Come here, girl. Yeah. He, he reminds me of Freddy Krueger the way he looks. He does <laughs> he have a Freddy Krueger-ish yeah. look to him. I'd like to imagine him like 
glaring at his wife and just stroking it. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, you're about to get it. Like, when he would sharpen his spikes looking across <laughs> the field at the guys in the other dugout, he's like, oh, you're about to get all of Tyrus's cob, woman. Oh, he's got that look in his eye again. Oh, like, shit, he's got, he's got a small penis, and he can't, he can't I, really... He's a skinny dude. He might have been packing a salam. salami. Well, is it relative, or was it like a... It, well, it's I wonder what relative. shoe size he had. Uh, size 14. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I don't know about that. Just see if you can find that shit. Oh, Jesus that Christ. guy, the, the woman doctor. That guy looked like Freddy Krueger. Look at that. Oh, yeah. He's he looks like, like Freddy Krueger. What a rush. <laughs> Is that animal from... Uh, no, that's Freddy Krueger. That was, remember when uh, he killed, what's her name? Re- not wasn't Rihanna. It was, what's her name? Kelly Rowland. He goes, mmm. Dark meat. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, so you can see Ty Cobb saying something like that, I guess, right? So, anyways, aside from him creating children, his relationship with some of his kids was really strained. Obviously, he expected his sons to be exceptional athletes in general and baseball players in particular. Tyrus Raymond Jr. flunked out of Princeton, where he played on the varsity tennis team. This was obviously much to his father's dismay. The elder Cobb subsequently traveled to Princeton campus and beat his son with a whip to ensure <laughs> against future academic failure. Tyrus Cobb Jr. ended up leaving Princeton, obviously, but then he went on to Yale. He became captain of the tennis team while improving his academics, and he was arrested twice in 1930 for drunkenness and left Yale without graduating. So he bombed Princeton, bombed Yale, and then ended up getting his uh, medical doctorate from the Medical College of South Carolina. All right. Yeah. Uh, the sad thing is Tyrus Raymond Jr. ended up dying at 42 from a brain tumor. And apparently... It's not a tumor. It apparently it was, was a, a tumor. tumor. I was misdiagnosed. <laughs> it dies. But yeah, so apparently they didn't talk for years after he died. So that's a bummer but here's some good things that Ty Cobb did. they didn't talk for years after he died well they didn't talk for years after he died and before he died oh okay. there we go now he I did it was the more. ghost from that porno <laughs> I'm not talking to you still <laughs> no I'm, I'm telegraphing someone Western <laughs> Union somebody some money for some pornographic watch images watch me fuck why don't you love me <laughs> records of Tyrus Cobb sending money via Western Union telegram to receive pornographic images from Ghost Town. So, uh, Cobb was one of the sport's first millionaires. He was one of the first American athletes to really cash in on endorsement deals. He did endorsements for, like, everything, dude. Cigarettes. Butt cream. I was about to say butt cream because of the thing, you know. and uh, Toilet paper. <laughs> all, the, all the good things. Uh, shotgun shells for his mom. Tobacco. Tobacco. The KKK. <laughs> he... May have been a member. That's what the argument is, but who knows? So, but also he was he was actually really outstanding at investing his money. So it wasn't just that he made a lot of money; he knew how to invest it. At the time of his death in 1961, his estate was estimated at eight million to twelve million bucks. That's sixty-eight to one hundred and two million dollars today, adjusted for inflation. And those guys back then weren't making fucking nope. Mike Trout contracts. No. no, they weren't at all. They weren't making shit really. Apparently, his final years, like his monthly income from dividends, interest, and real estate properties was about $12,000 a month or $102,000 in today's money. Jeez, that's insane. I know. I believe he left a lot of uh, that money to uh, 
I believe, Georgia students to try and fund scholarships and stuff like that. That's exactly right. He ended up leaving. That's the thing. It's not about him making money. That doesn't make you a good person. He established a scholarship fund for kids to go to college. And when he died, he left more than a million dollars to it. This guy, Cliff Kimsey, who was a Royston banker, said, I was there at the reading of the will. His family was there, and it seemed to me they didn't give a hoot in hell that he was dead. Just wanted to see what was left to them. I think he left his three children about a million dollars each, including a trust fund for his 15 grandchildren. Then he left all that money to the scholarship fund. Yep. So, you know. Maybe he was trying to uh, get rid of his past sins. It or could be. Oh, shit. But still, he gave his kids that he didn't like a million bucks a pop and right. his grandkids a trust fund. And here's the interesting thing. As far as him being like an unrepentant racist, like the the rumor is, one of uh, Ty Cobb's closest acquaintances was actually a black man. Bootsy Collins? It was Bootsy Collins. They played in P-Funk, the P-Funk All-Stars, and uh, it's obvious that Ty Cobb was the keyboardist. <laughs> <laughs> or he played the, uh, back then it was like the, the washboard the or washboard. something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I play the, uh, the fucking tambourine. The, the, the tambourine. I play the triangle. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so yeah, he didn't make any friends amongst his teammates, obviously, but he did develop one strong relationship with his personal assistant and the team mascot of the Detroit Tigers, was, whose name was Alexander George Washington Rivers. Rivers, actually, and he picked him up. Like Rivers uh, told the Detroit News of the first time he met Cobb, the Tigers were playing an exhibition game in New Orleans at Tulane University, and it was the first time he'd ever seen Ty Cobb, he said, except for in a picture. He said, Mr. Ty asked me how I would like to come up north with him. I says, no, it's too cold up there. So what happens? I come and I stay 38 years. That goes against everything that we've been talking about pretty much leading up to this point. Exactly. And I have black friends. Well, in 1909, <laughs> I mean, maybe get your ass beat back then for it if you're this a white true. guy. Yeah. So, in fact, when they asked him about the integration of Jackie Robinson in 1952, apparently, and he said, the Negro should be accepted wholeheartedly and not grudgingly. He said, the Negro has the right to play professional baseball, and who's to say he is not? On top of that, in another interview, he said, certainly it is okay for them to play. I see no reason in the world why we shouldn't compete with colored athletes as long as they conduct themselves with politeness and gentility. Let me also say that no white man has the right to be less of a gentleman than a colored man. In my book, that goes not only for baseball, but in all walks of life. And he also talked about Willie Mays. He said, Willie Mays is the only man in baseball I pay to see play. So, yeah. And then, of course, like I said, all of this, all, all of the, the racism stories and everything like that stems Mostly from two writers, one of which was Al Stump, which is his biographer, which was the guy that he tried to sue before he died. So, I mean, obviously what we have here is, uh, you know, a story that's really tough to tell. It's from 100 years ago. Well, not 100, but whatever. Close enough. Yeah. And so the question is, you know, was he really that much of an asshole or was this some sort of legend that Al Stump made. And here's the interesting thing, too, is Al Stump later got caught forging Ty Cobb's signatures onto items and selling them. Oh, geez. It sounds like this guy was a real asshole. Right. So maybe Al Stump is the real asshole. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. So that's it. All right. All right. It's a good breakdown. Good uh, conversation. Learned a lot about Ty Cobb today, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff I had no idea about him. Yeah, I went into this thinking like, this dude's a giant asshole and this will be really fun to write. And then I sort of ended up like sympathizing with him and being like, I feel sort of bad for Ty Cobb, even though he balled the fuck out and was really good at baseball. Oh, yeah. No, he 
like I said, had checkered past, got beat up. I did know that um, he had kind of been exonerated for a lot of the racial stuff that he was accused of. Still not to say he was the greatest dude, though, honestly. Like, no, absolutely Constantly not. going in the stands. He was a racist. He beat up a lot of people. He, he was uh, definitely not a saint. Nah. But nah, was he, like, the devil that he's been made out to be? I, I don't think so, man. No. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so, especially hearing all the facts. So, with that in mind, we'll uh, go ahead and give our scores. Well, on- now that we've gone through everything, what was your pre-score going in before you did all the Man, research? I was going to get, well, I mean, when you have 11 as Hitler, you know, that's weighted pretty pretty heavily. I was going to run with like a seven. Okay. All right. Which means that I, because I had, I'd always heard stories that he had like stabbed people. Oh, yeah. The Bellman. I heard he stabbed a black Bellman in yeah. Washington. And, and then, like, yeah. then the team paid off the hotel not to press charges and pay for the guy's bills and this that, and the other and i heard i i did know that that had all kind of been debunked so right and i also assumed that he was some poor southern moron to be honest i know that sounds horrible but i i was like he was just an angry little racist man who just happened to be very good at one thing that was appreciated by the general public at that time and then i didn't know how smart this dude was Oh, the, the the investments and all that? Oh, I didn't dude, know about that. Yeah, he no. said that he, like, at the time he was playing in Detroit, like, all the players would go out and drink at bars, and he started hanging out at, I think it was the Hotel Ponchartrain Train, to meet wealthy men so he could have sex with them. Oh, very no, nice. No, and in return, he got stock <laughs> yeah, tips. Investment advice, yeah. He was getting his asshole blown out by Henry Ford for stock tips. Don't worry, I've got toilet paper. <laughs> Warren Buffet asshole. <laughs> he said, eating ass. He said, I'm ahead of the curve on this one's 1909, and I'm just eating ass like it's my job. <laughs> no, but seriously, like he said that he hung out with them, and that's how, like, he met, uh, it was Charles Woodruff uh, from Coca Cola, who was okay. like, yeah, you should yeah, invest yeah, yep, yep, in yep. tons of Coca Cola stock. So, Woodruff Park. Yeah, exactly. All, sure. the, all the Woodruff stuff. So, I mean, like I said, I went into it assuming he was, a, and even that guy that wrote that book, like A Terrible Beauty, said that he, he started the project because he thought it he hadn't been written about uh, written about in a while and he thought it would be a very easy subject to write about and it would be sort of provocative and instead it was provocative in the other way because he was like this guy wasn't that bad of an asshole he wasn't perfect but jesus guys yeah sure so the question is what's your score? score uh so you know middle i would think like the average person would be around a three or a four and I think he was more of an asshole than the average person. So, I mean, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go with a five. I'll give him a five. I think he was more right. of an asshole than the average Joe. I was thinking the other day about what kind of range you have to be anywhere near double digits. You have to have killed someone. A lot of people. Yeah. Good, good yeah. people. And he's not that. You didn't hear about any kind of adultering. You didn't hear about any kind of. He was just a racist and got in a bunch of fights. But uh, the adultery had to happen. Those sure, dudes, yeah. That was like their job back in the day. <laughs> like our great grandfathers were fucking other women. Like they clocked in like, oh, we're married. And she's like, well, he's going to go fuck someone else. He'll be back in the morning. <laughs> 4.5. You're, so you you ramped it up. I ramped it up. By he he ended up even though like it feels like there was more of a exoneration for him being an asshole. You have to like like I said, he's more I, of an knew, asshole I knew he had been exonerated of a lot of the stuff, but just kind of listening to it. Imagine if that guy was your dad. First of all, 
if he was your dad, he hated you because apparently he did not get along with his kids. If that story's true, he uh, he attacked you on campus with a bullwhip. With a bullwhip. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's that's pretty harsh. harsh. I don't think that story is true, though. Right. But he probably did drive there and whip his ass. And if that's the case, that's not normal. Not literally whip his ass, though. Not whip him, but... Uh, I like to think it's true. He goes there like fucking Indiana Jones. <laughs> he's, like, he's, like at the, he's like at the cafeteria. He's like, oh, sweet. He's like, it's mac and cheese. And, oh, Jesus Christ. And it's people are like, They're like, oh, it's Ty Cobb. He's whipping that kid's ass. So, uh, yeah, no. Uh, just like you said, average Joe is going to be an asshole of a three or a four. And I, like I said, I thought he was... He, I, I, don't, I don't like the whole... I don't like... Like I said... It was a cultural th- thing of the times for people to be racist, but I it doesn't still sit, not cool. Doesn't sit well with me. No, I'm that's with the you. Thing. That's why I probably bumped him up a half point. All right, fair enough. He's, he's, he, it was he was a proven racist. He did assault a bunch of people, and but one of the greatest baseball players of all time. Yeah. I mean, seriously, some of his numbers, absolutely oh, yeah. mind blowing, absolutely insane, bro. Um, Four thousand one hundred ninety-one hits, seven hundred twenty-three doubles. That's what I was talking about. 117 career home runs. 117. And he led the league in home runs multiple times. And the rumor was that he actually one day was like, because Babe Ruth was becoming a huge star, was like, give me a shot at hitting home runs. And I think that day he hit two. He hit oh, two. Wow. He wound up hitting six over the next like seven games yeah. and said, all right, I'm going to go back to my old way. And then went on to hit like 360, 370, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, I started off ranking him a three. And that was, you know, really not knowing much about him. After listening to all the facts, I would probably bump him up to a five. I initially thought about going with a four, but when you jump into the stands and beat a guy with no hands, <laughs> or at least w- one hand off and then a couple fingers missing on the other one. That's awesome. Beat a guy off. You know, a handless no guy. When you beat a handless guy off um, they in the stands. They favor. You know, you know, it depends on what that guy likes, you know. Um, I'm sure he likes getting beat off with hands and not pretty. stumps. <laughs> He's like, I can only get one oh, side of my dick. Oh, gosh, this feels great. <laughs> you should see what I do in my room. He's like, why won't they invent the fleshlight? <laughs> I'm 90 years behind the fleshlight. All but, right. Yeah, I would I would safely say that I would give him a, a ranking of five. So you're running a five. It's a 4.5, and I've got him at a five as well. Ty Cobb, what Ty is Cobb. your asshole score? Uh, his asshole score is asshole score of 4.83. 33333 three, three, three carrying over. All right. 4.83 on a scale of 11. 11. So 11 being Hitler, 1 being Mr. Rogers. Excellent. Ty Cobb is a 4.83. And that's it for the day. All right. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to hear more of Asshole Court, find us anywhere you download your favorite podcast. Give us a good rating on your favorite platform. It really does help. You'll definitely want to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at AHC Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, depending on what you have to say. So until next time, remember the golden rule. Don't be an asshole, or you might find yourself on Asshole Court.